How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode number six of the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast. My name is Robert Massey. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am super excited that you are here because we get to talk about one of my biggest lessons that I was ever given by one of my photography mentors. We are going to talk about learning from the masters and not just master photographers, but we are actually going to talk about learning from master painters as well as a way to really help you understand and grow your photographic and artistic eye. I've come to realize that it is just as important a fundamental in photography as learning about your ESO and shutter speed and aperture and all the technical side of photography, because this is about learning to create your own artistic vision. This is about enhancing your artistic eye. If you can make your ability to see great composition, great color, great light way better, you're going to more consistently take better photos. You're not going to end up with nearly as many duds if you take some time to really build up your artistic eye. This was one of the biggest, most mind-altering things I was ever taught. I was having a fantastic afternoon with one of my photography mentors, Paul White, who works for Studio White here in Calgary. They have been doing weddings and lifestyle and portraiture work here in the city for decades upon decades here in Calgary. And I feel so honored to have had Paul teach me so much through the course of my photography career. So on this afternoon, Paul and I are just hanging out and chatting and he looks at me and says, you know, one of the greatest things you could do for yourself is to go and look at master painters. We're talking like Vermeer and Rembrandt and Leonardo and Van Gogh and go and look at how they paint and how they use color and composition and posing and light that they put into their images and how they use negative space and all sorts of other things. And you will grow your artistic eye massively. And that means you will be able to see better images. You'll be able to repose people better. You'll be able to find better, more fantastic photos. And I'd never thought about doing that until he was like, no, no, you got to try this. Like this is, this is going to totally change your photography. And it did. I suddenly was able to see more artistic, more beautiful photos that I never, never would have been able to see had I not taken the time to study the likes of Botticelli and Vermeer and all those fantastic people. So that's what we're going to talk about, but we're going to do this over a three part series done over the next three weeks. So today we're going to talk about learning from master painters and what you can learn from them. Next week, we're going to talk about what you can learn from some of the masters of photography, people like Ansel Adams, whom we may not be able to speak to in person anymore, but we can look back at their images and see how they used composition, light, things like that. And then we're going to talk about what we can learn from some of the masters of the craft today, specifically in the outdoors realm. So we're going to talk about people like Jimmy Chin and Chris Burkard and Paul Ziska and how you can help incorporate some of the artistic styles and some of the things that they do really well in their photography into some of the work you're doing to help create better images. Now, don't worry if you haven't gotten any of the names or anything like that that I've mentioned yet. I will put up a full list of the names into the show notes, including Instagram handles if it's possible. And that way you can go and find and look at some of the images for yourself because I find we're in an audio medium here. It's really hard for me to put a picture up in front of you and say, hey, look at this and look at how they're using it. Uh, but you can go to the show notes, find some links to some folks and some of the other resources that I think would be super helpful for you to have from this. But this is a great starting point to have a conversation around the ideas of learning from previous masters who, who have so much to teach us, even if they've been dead for hundreds of years. So for part one of our special on this, 
we are going to talk about learning from the masters of painting. And we're going to talk about four things that you can really learn by studying great painters and great paintings. And that's lighting, posing, color, and composition. So let's get right into it. We're going to start talking about lighting. Because the way painters incorporate light into their scenes can tell us a lot about how we should be using light in photography. The lighting choices that were used by great painters and that are still used by great painters today really inform and tell our minds what classic portraiture should look like. We literally in photography have a style called Rembrandt lighting. It's where there's a high main light up and just to the side of your subject, causing the nose and cheekbone to cast a really distinctive shadow pattern on the other side of the face, where there should be a triangle of light on the cheek opposite where the light actually is, and the rest of the face should be falling off into darkness. If you go and check out some of Rembrandt's paintings, that is his portraiture style. That is the way he painted things. It has this little tiny triangle of light sitting on the opposite cheek to where the main light in the image is. This is super common in photography to use and is one of the most beautiful portrait lighting techniques that you can have. You can even really simply set up some Rembrandt lighting in your house. All you really need is a flashlight set high up on a shelf, pointing a little ways down towards you. And just by repositioning your face a little bit, you can actually create that little triangle of light to go in there. It won't be the prettiest or most flattering light by any stretch of the imagination, but you can recreate Rembrandt's style of lighting just in your own living room pretty quickly. It's worth checking out one of his paintings and then trying to recreate that lighting for yourself to really understand this concept. Sticking with light, we can also see how catch lights have been heavily influenced by painters. So catch lights are those little pinpoints of light where typically we've popped a flash off and it's reflecting that little bit of light back out of the eye. Today you might see two, three, four, seven or eight catch lights in somebody's eye, but more typically you're going to see just one and that comes from painting. Painters used catch lights to add life to the eyes, to give them a sense of being a real person that was actually sitting there. It drew people in and they found without catch lights, without painting in that little bit of light that was reflecting back, that people looked kind of dead in the images. They weren't nearly as lively looking. And if you look, they typically only ever used one catch light in paintings. So that's why when you start looking at really classic portraiture, where you're going to find that typically there's one catch light, maybe a really subtle one somewhere else, but you won't see like two big bright catch lights in somebody's eyes. Even if you don't take portrait photos, even if you're just purely landscape, purely travel, you really don't have people in there ever. Learning lighting from painters can still be super helpful for your photography because you get to learn from people like Lauren Harris of the Group of Seven and other spectacular landscape painters, you can actually learn a lot about the way that they see light by understanding the way that they saw a scene and by understanding the way they saw light reflecting off a mountain, creating shadowing, the way that they saw light accentuating certain pieces of a landscape and de-accentuating other certain pieces of a landscape can really help teach you how to see light play in your travel photos and in your landscape photos. This can make a huge difference if you're not in a location at exactly the right time of day. So if you have the ability to really kind of start seeing where the light should be in an image. So let's say that you can start seeing that like, yeah, the sun's going to go this way and that mountain's going to cast this shadow and the sun's going to catch that ridge line. 
If you can start seeing those kind of pieces, you can really start planning out your photographs and knowing when to be in the right location at the right time to create the best possible image. All right, that's lighting. Now we are going to move on to posing. Many of the classic portraiture poses that we use have come directly from painters. We've just stolen them straight out of what painters use and dropped them into photography. And this is kind of because when photography was created, it was heavily informed by painters. Painters were the dominant art form at the time for people to have pictures of their families up in their houses. So when photography came along as a way for people to do the same thing, we just took those poses people wanted in their family paintings and moved them over into photography. It really defined a whole genre of what it means to pose a person. And of course, there are thousands of ways to pose somebody, but this is really about learning some of the basic, fundamental, most beautiful poses that you could ever see. All you've really got to do is think about a great portrait like Vermeer's girl with a pearl earring. This is a very classic pose to use even today with people. So if you don't know a girl with pearl earring, she's basically sitting on a chair, kind of looking back over her shoulder towards the painter. In our eyes, it would be a person sitting down looking back over directly down the barrel of the lens. Even looking at something like the Mona Lisa, that's really just a classic headshot. Really and truthfully, when you stop and look at it, it's beautiful and amazing and there's fantastic other reasons about it. But what we're looking at in posing terms is really just a standard headshot for us. So go and check out some of the ways that painters pose their subjects and you'll start getting some really great ideas to create your own classic portraiture. And these posing tips can really be used to inform how you should pose somebody in your outdoor and travel images. So you really want to look at things like how the painter has placed that person's hands, the spacing that they're using, the use of angles and the negative space, like the gapping between somebody's body and their elbow, the way that they have their legs posed, the way that they have their body turned, things like that. Anything that can be used to draw a viewer into the person in that image. Awesome. Okay, that's posing. We're going to move on to number three which is color, because color is one of the most important yet sadly often overlooked things in photographs. Far, far, far too often in outdoor images, I see people wearing coats and clothing that make them blend into the environment. You really want people to stand out while still matching the scenery that they're in. It's a really difficult thing to balance, especially if you are taking photos on the fly it's a lot harder to plan to have the right color of clothing, but it's really important to try your best to set people apart by using color. And now painters are all about blending and balancing colors. They understand the way that a blue and an orange interact together to create a really interesting combination or how to place just the right accents in a scene to draw your eye in and around what is going on. So look at great paintings with an eye towards how they utilize color to draw you through the image itself. And we can learn a lot about how to balance varying colors in scenes to help us create more interesting and gratifying and dynamic images. In other terms, painters really understood color theory. Even if they didn't necessarily call it that at the time, painters really did have a very good idea of color theory, especially the masters. So we really want to go look at even somebody like Van Gogh, whose paintings seem a little bit out there for photography, to be totally honest, but they can give us such a fantastic idea of how to use varying colors to create a really cohesive image. Now, obviously, we can't always have that much say in a photo 
of like, oh, I need this to be exactly orange and this to be exactly blue. But the idea behind looking at the colors that painters are using should get you seeing how color really makes a difference in images and how you can really use it to your advantage to accentuate and highlight parts of your photo and then de-accentuate other parts of your photo. This is one of the reasons that I love Lightroom's ability to add color into highlights and add color into shadows because it really allows me to fine tune on a global scale a unified look before I go and dig in deeper through Photoshop or through direct brushes and things like that in terms of creating a unified color in an image. All right, that is it for talking about color. We're gonna move on to our fourth and final tip where we are going to talk about composition. Painters don't put extraneous objects into their paintings. Every element of a painting is chosen to be there. And we can do the exact same thing in photography, especially when we have the chance to set a scene. Every single element that is in that image you have chosen to be there. So make sure when you have the chance to set a scene that there are no extraneous objects in that scene. What qualifies as an extraneous object is totally up to you. Look for things that may distract your viewer and that take away from the story you are attempting to tell. Now, obviously we can't do this all the time, especially in travel and adventure work. We really don't have the choice or the chance to set a scene. We are given something in front of us and we shoot it because it's there and it's happening in that split second. What you do have control over, however, is what goes into that frame. So instead of just taking that photo of somebody with a tree popping out of the back of their heads, move like two steps to your right and have that tree come up just past them. Or just move your frame ever so slightly to remove that big giant yellow sign that's in the middle of the street. Or there are all sorts of examples that I could give you. I'm not going to go on down that tangent right now. But just look for any extraneous element that is distracting from where your main subject is. What elements are crucial to the story you are attempting to tell and leave them in there. And if you can't take them out, it's okay. We can't always take out every element that we would want, but we certainly have control over some aspects of what is included in that frame. One of the other great things that looking at great painters can do for us is teach us about compositional elements and rules like framing, rule of thirds, the golden ratio, and so many more if you're a landscape photographer, going to check out somebody like Lauren Harris is going to teach you a lot about how you can compose landscapes and how you can use leading lines and all sorts of other fantastic elements. So the more paintings you look at, the more you're going to start seeing common compositions in portraiture, in landscapes, in cityscapes, in everything. You're going to start seeing really common compositions and absorbing those compositions and how they work and how a painter puts multiple compositions into a scene will help you be able to see those kind of compositions better the next time you're traveling and adventuring, which will only help you create better images. It's a fantastic, fantastic thing. Plus you get to look at some of the greatest art ever, which is super awesome. So with all that said, we can really learn a lot from master painters because they have informed the standards of the visual arts for hundreds of years. And what they did in the centuries past still work today to help create classic, timeless images. Now, I'm not saying what they did is the be-all and end-all of everything and that you should only focus on how they painted to create your photos. 
but it is a great way to inform yourself of some classic timeless techniques that will really help improve your photography. There is zero downside to looking at great paintings. Really, you can improve your photography, you can improve your recognition of great art, you can create a better artistic eye, just all around. There is no negative to really spending time studying amazing paintings. So some of the people I really love to look at and really suggest to people as great examples of what to look at for painters would be Rembrandt, as we spoke about Vermeer, who painted the girl with the pearl earring, Leonardo, the Mona Lisa, Lauren Harris, who is a group of seven painter from Canada. Uh, the group of seven in general is spectacular. So go look up all of them. But I particularly love Lauren Harris and even Van Gogh. Let's actually stick with Van Gogh for a second, because I find him to be a really interesting example of a painter who wouldn't obviously have a lot that would be applicable for photography, but really does. He is really well known for these almost fantastical landscapes with big, bold colors and swirling motions and really heavy brush strokes that really convey a lot of emotion behind them. So how does somebody like Van Gogh actually apply to a photographer? Well, his compositions, particularly a lot of the self-portraits and other portraits that he painted, are really great examples of headshots that we take today. And he uses those heavy textures and bright bold colors in his portraiture to really convey a lot about the person he was painting. Another thing to look at is the way he utilizes color in his paintings and brings together really bright oranges and yellows and dark, dark blues and purples and combines them to create this really cohesive moving image that is fantastical looking, but you can also almost picture occurring. I find comparing the work that Van Gogh did to the way we shoot the Aurora Borealis today as being really applicable. Those swirling motions in some of his nighttime images and those really bright colors versus really dark scenery. And even the self-portraits you can take while standing under the stars. There's a lot of similarities there between the Aurora and a lot of Van Gogh's work. Partly, I think, because the Aurora is this almost fantastical thing that happens in front of us with the swirling dancing colors, and the way it interplays with the environment. In some ways, the aurora is almost like Van Gogh brought to light in front of us, or at least his landscape work brought to life in front of us. So I'll put up that list of painters that I think you should go and look at in the show notes. Go take a look at them if you're curious. Go and find some of these paintings. If you've got some of them in the area that you live in, go and take a look at them. And if you don't have the ability to see any of them in person anywhere around you, look them up online, find a book with them in them. They are just such a fantastic way to study and increase your ability to see a photograph in front of you. It's really going to help you build your artistic eye, which is such a huge element of creating great photography. All right, everybody. That is part one of our series on learning from the masters. Next week, we're going to chat about learning from folks like Ansel Adams, who really revolutionized photography when it was first beginning and who today are still informing what we are doing in photography. The week after that, 
We will talk about learning from the current masters, particularly in outdoor photography. So I'm really looking forward to getting to chat about these two subjects with you. As I've said in the past, nothing in photography is a hard and fast rule. The composition, lighting, everything else techniques that these painters will show you is not a hard and fast rule. It is to help you grow your artistic eye. And then you can start creating your own images that really speak to the vision that you want to portray. All right, that's everything, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me this week. As always, you can find us online at the travel and adventure photography school.com. You can find us on Facebook at travel and adventure photography school, and you can find us on Instagram at travel adventure photo school. Drop us a DM, send us a message, anything like that. If you have any thoughts or comments on the episode, or if you've found that looking at these painters helped you, didn't help you, whatever. I love chatting with people about photography. I love chatting with people about art in general, to be totally honest, and being creative. I would love to hear your thoughts and your comments and to just talk art with you if you are interested. And now go and take a look at some painters and then go and grab your camera and try and recreate something of what they've done. Let's go adventure.